wherever in the world you are. Welcome to the Health Zone Show with Michal O'Mahuna, where with each episode I explore interesting health and well-being topics with a thought-provoking guest. These topics can range from nutrition, relationships, spirituality, finance, creativity, mental health and much, much more, so that you can live a healthier, happier and more authentic life. Guests on the show vary from health experts, spiritual teachers, finance wizards, sports legends, to ordinary people with extraordinary lives. Find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show, or you can also join our Facebook group, The Health Zoners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Pen Interest under The Health Zone. Check out our new updated website, www.thehealthzoneshow.com. And at the moment, you can receive a free copy of my latest ebook, Seven Ways to Boost Your Overall Well Being When You Join the Health Zone. Today I'm chatting with New York Times bestseller, author, speaker, and entrepreneur Mike Dooley. He was also a speaker in the documentary The Secret as well. Hello, Mike. Hello, Michal. Great to be with you. Thanks for this chance. You're very welcome, Mike. And just tell me a little bit about yourself, Mike, and, and what you do. Well, pretty conventional background. Um, nothing that would have indicated I might be a teacher in the realm of you know, spirituality. Um, I have an accounting degree, worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers for six years, international tax. Um, was an entrepreneur selling T-shirts uh, with a family-run business that I incorporated with my mother and brother. Uh, the T-shirts took a philosophical kind of bend, if you will. We would talk about life, dreams, and happiness, uh, the power of our thoughts, creative visualization, but with really loose graphics, and we sold them all over the world. They were called Tut T-shirts, Tut for totally unique T-shirts. And 16 years ago, we wound that business down. Um, the trends were declining. It wasn't fun. And we were, you know, in a place where we could kind of take a time out and reassess. And at that point, um, kind of fearing for the rest of my life, not knowing what would come next, suddenly I had, you know, no identity as earlier provided by Price Waterhouse or my own T-shirt company that was, you know, quite booming. Um, I, I had a, a I guess, uh, the dark night of the soul, they call it. You know, and uh, it was like, you know, what happened and why am I starting over and what am I starting? I had money enough to coast for a couple of years. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, I really wish I could receive some positive inspiration, you know, from divine sources by email every day, you know, at some unpredictable time. And, and granted, consider that email 16 years ago was quite a novelty. People were just getting online 16 years ago at the turn of uh, the millennia. And since nobody was sending such inspiration out, I began a drawing initially from my earlier writings that had appeared on T-shirts and souvenir novelty markets. But that became very popular. The weekly emails turned into dailies. I went from 36 subscribers to um, today's number is over 700,000, all by word of mouth, who received what's now called a note from the universe spiritual not religious um and uh it's also spawned uh 11 books dvds audio programs video courses uh, hay house is now my publisher and um I, I speak all over the world reminding people of their power and life's beauty because sometimes we don't see that in life with our physical senses and we can kind of um lose our way and so um, I'm an inspirational speaker. You just mentioned there about the dark night of the soul. If there's somebody listening in here today, Mike, and they have a lot of self-doubt about themselves and their lives, would you have any practical suggestions for them to have more faith and belief in themselves? Everything I share, write, speak, or otherwise deal out to my fans or on the website is based on the premise now, this might be something to get comfortable, that might take some time getting comfortable with, but it's not that far from mainstream thinking. The premise that our thoughts become the things and events of our lives, without exception. 
all the good, all the bad, all the ugly. Now there's legs for this table and they're very important. And that takes us into some kind of esoteric territory that we are all divine beings. We are eternal beings. We are love beings and that life and consciousness and our own identity extend well beyond this lifetime. But, but the, the point of traction for every lifetime is our thoughts, our words, which are our thoughts, and our actions, which are our thoughts in motion, create the, the starting point for everything. And so if somebody going through a dark night of the soul must first would first ideally recognize that they do have power in this, even though at the moment, for all kinds of reasons, they feel powerless. In spite of um, circumstances to the contrary, sense within you the truth of my words right now. You are a powerful being, um, maybe not exerting it, but it is there within you. And that which you focus on the most, that which you dwell upon, that which you are talking about, lamenting, or complaining about, is bringing about your tomorrows. And so the first thing to do, however seemingly futile, and it will always seem absurdly futile, particularly if you're going through such a crisis, um, you just need to curb the negativity, focus on what's good, start a gratitude journal, be happy you have a roof over your head, be happy you have some food to eat, be happy you have a friend um, to call your own, uh, the shirt on your back. Make a list, you know, can you see, do you have vision, do you have hearing? Um, start at whatever baseline is necessary for you to begin this exercise. And again, it won't seem like it'll make much of a difference when the bill collectors are calling and your girlfriend's broken up with you and the kids have run away from home or it'll seem stupid. Believe me, and I know that listeners can sense the truth of these words deep down inside of them. It's going to start small, and it's going to start with what you choose to focus on. And while you're focusing on things of gratitude and realizing that you have a power and realizing that you have some gifts, during those moments, you will be unable to think about those things that are tormenting you right now. And my life has shown me through through my crises, we've all had them, that it's as if, given our divine inclination and connection to source, it's as if our positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than our negative thoughts. So the person listening thinking, oh great, you know, our power lies in our thoughts, and all I can do is worry, I'm doomed, fear not. I have been in that place where I could not stop my fearful thoughts from running away with me. But I've discovered that I could simultaneously sit down for five minutes and list out the things I'm grateful for. I could simultaneously, alternatively, sit down and visualize my life as if things were working out and things were turning around. And I'm hearing... Um, words of, of congratulations and praise. You don't even have to tell your imagination why you're receiving such congratulations, but just give that to yourself. And even if you worry during your visualization or during your gratitude journal, you are so inclined to succeed as a natural born creator, a being of light, of God, by God, pure God, that if you do these simple exercises, it will gradually and then more swiftly turn everything around. And I ask the listener who's doubting right now, look at those people who are successful in the world. You know, they're not, they're not the best behaved. They're not all of the same race. They're not all of the same color. They're not even all of the same religion. They just had either the intelligence or the naivety, call it the ignorance, to think that things could turn around for them, to start daydreaming about things turning around for them. And that's all, all, all the leverage that the universe needs to reach you, followed up with, you know, baby steps, affirmations, moving in the direction of your dreams and doing the best you can with what you've got. That's what I would tell someone going through the dark night of the, their soul. I've been there. It takes very little to get out of it, but it does take something.
how did you turn around your own dark night of the soul, Mike? Well, I I remember being vexed and tormented with how could I be almost 40 years old and and have no life momentum, no career momentum, never uh, had a really long-term serious relationship, certainly had never been married, no children, no nothing. And I'm almost 40 and we just liquidated the business and I'm only going to be able to survive my mortgage payments for two years. What if I don't figure out how to make money beyond those two years? What if I've already lived the best of my life? What if, what if, what if? And I remember thinking, it's not about figuring out how you got where you are. It's about figuring out how life really works and then working it. And actually, I didn't have the confidence then to to put all of that together. I remember being so perplexed as to explaining how my life wasn't going the way I thought it would be by the time I had reached 40 that I just threw my hands in the air and said, you know, forget it. I'm not going to be able to figure out this thing. Nothing is adding up. I think I'm pretty rocking guy. I think I know what's going on. But yet the circumstances aren't pointing to that. So stop trying to figure out how you got to this dark night of the soul. It hurts too much. It's too painful. And focusing on it will only bring about more pain and more reasons to be disappointed in yourself. Instead, drill down to truth. By that time in my life, I was well-versed and well-read and well-thought through um, these principles that I now teach. I knew that I was of God, by God, pure God. I knew that my thoughts become things. I knew that I was powerful and pushed on to greatness every single day. I knew that I wasn't being judged. I knew that there was no one other than myself who could decide how the rest of my life would go. So, Drilling down to that, surrounding myself with books to that effect, creating vision boards and scrapbooks, however seemingly juvenile, these tools help you think along the lines of living a life you'd like to live, as if that's what was imminent for you rather than what's surrounding you now. And I just worked it going forward. And not only did I have big dreams and, you know, the toys, the home, circles of friends on my vision board. But I knew that being excited about truth, just daydreaming about a grand life, would never be enough to change my life. It's never enough. There's that old Chinese proverb, to know and not do is the same as to not know. To know, I I know I'm awesome, I know I'm powerful, I know I can turn this around, but to not act on that, well, you may as well not know anything. Because you're not reachable by life's magic, by the serendipities, by, by all that is scheming on our behalf, if you will, if you're not out there reachable. You're contradicting yourself. It's like telling your car's GPS, you know, I want to go to the coast, you know, getting all happy about it, and then not putting your car in gear. Well, you're totally contradicting yourself. The instant you say you want to go to the coast, the instant you say you want to have creative, fulfilling work, the instant you say you want to have prosperity and abundance, the instant you say you want to have health and healing in your life, divine intelligence is like all over it. I totally know how to do this. I'm one with you. There's always a way with belief. And that's echoed in all religious tomes. But then, as also is mentioned in tomes, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I am not practicing uh, any religion today. God helps those who help themselves. You've got to do something. You've got to be that little moving part of the puzzle that you know has the alphabet in it, that little square three-by-three three puzzle that we played as children that has you know one vacant spot, and you have to put the alphabet together. You move one piece, and then all the other pieces can move. You move another piece, then all the other pieces can move. And the other pieces will know how to move with th- through the edict given by your dreams. Your thoughts are trying to become things, especially your positive thoughts. So if you're envisioning the coast or abundance or a travel partner or clarity, 
The universe is pressing it towards you, but it can't reach you until you just show up with a baby step, hence the term a baby step. And yes, it will seem utterly futile. Take it anyway, because then you unleash the magic. The universe is then able to take its steps, and then you take one more, even though nothing seemed to happen. And then it does all of its things. You take one more, again, to use the number 10,000, just because it, it, it is filled with the, a truth of the disproportion that the universe will help you. Positive thoughts are not only 10,000 times more powerful than negative thoughts, but when you take one step, the universe takes 10,000. Now, I'm sure the number is much bigger than that, but to kind of, you know, show the import here, um, you take one baby step in the dark down a sucky dirt path. The universe will take 10,000 that will lead you to the yellow brick road. But you see not the yellow brick road. You see not where the staircase leads you, as Martin Luther King once famously said, until you take another step and another, and not until you, you're well on your way, focusing on what's uh, at task, dealing with what's on your plate. This is not about abandoning, abandoning responsibilities or, or just living to you know, some, some um, imaginative dream in your head. This is about... You know, mastering each moment of your life, being further guided by grandiose dreams that thrill you and however you want to define them. It could be financially or it could be romantically or it could be with, you know, being of service. We get to decide that and the universe starts marching. So long as we're taking baby steps, it'll reach us. How come sometimes what you're just talking about doesn't actually work for people? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, many people are steeped in old dogmatic thoughts that tell them there ain't no way, there's not enough for everyone, life is hard, it's jungle out there, we're all being tested, one day we're going to be judged, it's not going to be pretty. Um, where does someone feel any power in those kind of old dogmatic statements. I mean, I mean, what's the point of getting out of bed? You know, if God decides everything, if everything is a test, what's the point of having any dreams? So they might get excited about a talk like this or seeing the secret because it's coming from total truth and it's resonating in their spiritual DNA. But then they face the world and they watch a TV commercial and the TV reminds us that we're getting older and that we need skin cream and that we need to do this and that we're falling apart and that life is hard and people are mean and can't be trusted. And we fall back into our old ways. But when people get grounded in truth, because there's a ton of books, a ton of speakers uh, coming from coming at these truths from a number of angles, including Lorna Byrne. Um, if they get steeped in these new ideas that, that are so similar to to what's also been echoed in the past, but not as loudly, then the day comes when you can't wait to get out of bed in the morning because you know you are of God by God pure God. You know you are favored by the divine. You know you've not been judged. You know there's no tests coming up. You know that your thoughts become things. You become optimistic and all of a sudden an upward spiral takes off. And the evidence is those people who have seen and experienced these upward spirals. And no one out there should argue that there's not a lot of them. There's tons and there, there's more people going through upward spirals than downward spirals. Even at the height of our ignorance, thinking that life is a cold, hard, cruel, mean test by an angry God, we still succeed. And I ask listeners right now, isn't their life proof? Haven't they all smiled more than frowned, laughed more than cried? There's no 50-50 in it. There's no survival of the fittest in it. We've blown the lid off of surviving. Haven't all of your listeners had clarity more than they've been confused? Had friends more than they've been all alone? Had money, even money, more than they've been at zero or in the negatives? I mean, we're so inclined to succeed. If we would just get out of our own way, then suddenly we would experience these upward spirals that others have shown us are possible no matter what their color culture religion creed is it's there for everyone because we live in this is very hard to believe at first we live in an illusionary dream world things are not as they seem 
Even scientists tell us that matter isn't solid, it's whirling organized energy. And what they're eventually going to tell us a thousand years from now or a hundred years from now is that that whirling organized energy receives direction from our thoughts. And this is not about turning, you know, rocks into gold, but it is about drawing circumstances into our lives that mirror our dreams that will then yield goal in terms of friendships or confidence or clarity or or being better at whatever it is you now do so the number one part answer to why aren't more people experiencing joy and success and transformation is because they think it's impossible they think they live in a, a cold hard mean world with an angry god and number two sometimes people will be on the bandwagon for a little while with this stuff this kind of thinking that I'm sharing, because many share it, but they tend to think that being excited about the truth, for having discovered the truth, their euphoria will be enough to change their life. And the metaphor or the analogy I share here is, even if you were foolish enough to believe in luck, and a genie told you the next seven days would be the luckiest seven days of your life, the next day, day number one of the luckiest seven days of your life, you know, you wouldn't stay in bed waiting for the fish to come to you. If you were a fisherman, for example, you'd you'd go out and buy as many fishing poles as you could. You'd have as all of your cousins and friends come over. You say, this is the luckiest seven days of my life. If you're a fisherman, I'm a fisherman or a fisherwoman. Let's go fishing because even the person foolish enough to believe in luck is wise enough to know it won't reach them unless they're out in the world and it's exactly the same with these metaphysical principles of thoughts becoming things uh, the so-called law of attraction it won't do you any good if you aren't taking baby steps every single day in the direction of your dreams even if that means going to a job you hate for a low hourly rate that's better than doing nothing. That's better at, than being at home waiting for a miracle. Uh, they're not coming. Again, biblically, since I was raised in a, the Catholic Church, there's some some quote, you know, if you're a fisherman, look, look to fishing for your abundance. You know, too many people hate their job and they watch The Secret 10 times in a row and they, so they quit their job. It's like, no, you can't go quit your job. Use your job as a stepping stone to greater things now that you know the truth and you're entertaining big dreams. You can't withdraw from life because you know that you're loved and adored. That is the second major reason people who know these truths don't experience transformation. They, they don't engage. They, they withdraw. Mike, is there any daily routine or practice that you do in your own life to stay positive, inspired, and motivated? I do a couple of things, Michal. I, I do visualize for four minutes every single day. I set my timer. You can use your smartphone. Um, and I, I just close my eyes and I imagine um, just feeling joy. I imagine hearing the congratulations. I imagine seeing the faces of loved ones, my wife, my daughter, my siblings, my parent, my father still alive, being happy. Um, joyful. I imagine we're going on a trip together. I imagine the phone ringing and I'm receiving good news. And again, like I alluded to earlier, you don't even have to be more specific than that. Because the only way those kinds of feelings can become the things and events of your life, the only way you can then authentically experience joy and hear congratulations is if awesome stuff starts happening in your life. It forces it. It works. The universe and life's magic works backwards. You give it a vision of a desired end result. And then as you show up with baby steps, the hows, the cursed hows I call them, meaning how your dream will come true, are pressed to you. In fact, I tell people, don't worry about the hows. They are the cursed hows because we think it's our job to figure out how we'll go from A to Z. But when it comes to orchestrating these so-called miracles in our life, these transitions, these transformations, our brains can't go there. Our brains can't do that. There are 7 billion co-creators on planet Earth. And each of us has a likely projected probable 
you know, week or month or year ahead of us. Nothing is set in stone, but there are probabilities given our mindset that have brought us to this day. And of course, we can rewrite the future. We can change our mindset on a dime. But, you know, you can see people tracking. You know, they're always miserable. They're always gloomy. They're always complaining. You know, I guarantee they're going to have a flat tire. They're going to have an argument. The roof is going to leak and things aren't going to go well the next 12 months until they change their mindset. So there's probabilities in place. Well, if all of a sudden somebody listening right now sets the bar a lot higher and they start dreaming really big, the universe has to tie together the probabilities of 7 billion adventurous lives. And bring those who will help your dream come true nearer to you so you cross paths as it will bring you into the lives of others so that you can have mutually beneficial uh, manifestations. So it's going to take a little bit of time and uh, people need to be patient in that regard because it's not spontaneous. And Mike, you said there, your thoughts create your reality. Do you think we start doing this the moment we arrive into the world, or does it start at another time in our lives? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, and it takes us to a realm that a lot of people are not comfortable going to. Um, I believe that we are eternal, which is not far from what religions, any religion will tell you. Although to a religion, you have to behave a certain way to have eternal life. I believe we all have eternal life, that we're all understood, that everyone's doing their best, that everyone can be rehabilitated no matter how evil or sinister they behave in, behave in their life. But just as I believe, Michal, that, and many people do, that we are eternal beyond this lifetime. Well, wouldn't an eternal being therefore exist eternally before this lifetime? And I totally believe we do. Uh, and so therefore, there were thoughts, dreams, desires, expectations, lessons we wanted to learn that existed prior to choosing this lifetime. And I do believe we all a form of us, a greater, higher self of ours, actually formulated and chose the stage upon which we would be born. At which point, it was then our thoughts, it is then our thoughts that start, you know, our conscious uh, and, you know, deeper thoughts that start shaping our lives from the day we are born. So there is a, a work in process and a momentum that, that we bring with us into every lifetime, including a personality. And parents with more than one child will tell you that they are shockingly different. You can't even anticipate how different they're going to be. And that's because they are this tidal wave of joyful energy that existed prior to this incarnation that, that chose them as parents um, for the probable realities that would exist on that stage, which begs the question, I know what you're thinking, Michal, and listeners will likely be thinking, you know, what about the, the, the child who's born um, and then put up for adoption immediately? What about the child who's born into an impoverished nation? What about, I can't even fathom the reasons that there would be such choices, but I can fathom that all is well in the world of God. I do believe in God. I am of God, but yet God is infinitely more than me. I do know that God didn't make any mistakes. I do know that families that are born in poor nations are still families. There's still love. There's still joy. There's still discovery. And there's still an opportunity to better yourself. Uh, we tend to look at impoverished nations and think, you know, and feel pity for them. Mightn't many of them feel pity for us in the West who live our lives to a clock with a smartphone to a degree that we're communicating less and less and, and forgetting what family really means? It's not about, and my message is not about, hey, we should all live in financial abundance. That's an option, but life is about much more. Uh, than financial abundance. And there are many more things far more important than financial abundance. But my point is, while I can't with mortal eyes explain or understand why some people would choose to be born into dire circumstances, I can still sense that there is order 
that for them in their eternal quest to understand the nature of reality, to experience and to be everything, everywhere, always, that that there is order and that there is reason and that they knew what they were doing and that that lifetime does not is not the be-all, end-all um, of their existence. We tend to think that you have one lifetime and you better make the best of it. Uh, it's like, yes, life is that sacred, but no, we don't have one lifetime. We are eternal beings, and, um, and there is order whether or not we can see it. And Mike, in regard to disease and ill health, do you think people are creating this? I do think that we all create these things. And I know that that might be salt in the wound and that might sound um, insulting and very, very hurtful. And people will say, well, what about the child? I can only tell you there's order when it comes to the child, that they knew what they were getting into and, uh, and um, objectives are being met and achieved. When it comes to the adult, no doubt about it. We choose, we we don't consciously choose, but we do choose our thoughts. And if our thoughts, for example, are in grave contradiction, you know, we love God, but we don't like the priest. We love the universe, but we hate these rules. We, we, we sense that something is askew, that something is not right. You know that you're doing your best, but you've made some mistakes and you can't imagine that God is really going to put you in hell forever. Now there's turmoil and chaos in your mind. And very often when there is chaos, not mitigated by other um, ideas of life's beauty, our power and celebration, then anger, resentment, guilt, regret, all emotions that need not exist when you're grounded in truth. They're all understandable, totally understandable to the human experience, but, but they're absolved, they dissipate when you get to truth. If they're not dissipated, those kind of emotions will bring about all kinds of ailments, whether it's the common cold, cancer, or AIDS. Um, and, and, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings here. The great news here, the phenomenal news here, is that if we are the source of all things unpleasant and uncomfortable in our life, then we can be the healer of all things unpleasant and uncomfortable in our life. And for people who've experienced, whether it was illness or abuse as a child, don't think about it. Don't go there. Don't even try to understand the order other than knowing that it must exist at some lofty level. What's important today is that you made it this far. What's important today is that there's a beautiful world out there filled with much more love than hatred. If you watch the news, it doesn't look like it. But there is love at every corner. There is cooperation on every street. There is there is help, there is power, there is beauty, there is God everywhere. And if you can get this, if it's making some sense to you right now, then, then find more books like this, find more people like this. All of a sudden you're going to see your friends eventually all think like this, which is the case for me right now. And then you're making inroads, then you're going forward, and you can heal yourself. And this is not a message of abandoned medicine. Abandon your doctor. No, play both ends to the middle. Do everything your doctor asks of you. Do everything that conventional wisdom asks of you. But also start thinking along these lines. Start doing little demonstrations, acts of it, acts of faith, playfully pretending that you're on the mend. I talk about this in my book, Infinite Possibilities. I have 11 books right now. Many other people talk about this. Lorna will talk about one's individual ability to heal through the grace of God, the power of God, because we have that connection with the divine. We are of the divine. So this is not novel thinking. It's true. And by accepting responsibility, while not explaining it, but accepting responsibility for whatever you dislike that's happening in your life right now, you put yourself in a position of power to bring about change. And that includes healing or prosperity or clarity or whatever, whatever your heart desires. And Mike, you speak about the connection to the divine. How do we know we're connected to the divine? I walk my audiences through this. It's in some of the, the intros of my book. I, with a little human brain, 
cannot know most things. In fact, I know very, 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 very little about very, 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 very little. But our brains are sufficient enough to witness life's magic, the beauty, the miracles that are everywhere, not just a flower, not just in a bird's song, not just in the beauty of uh, the, the physical landscape, scenery, creation, etc., but in our own selves, uh, the epiphanies we have, the, the aha moments we have, we're being pushed on to greatness. To me, if I had more time, it'd be easier, but to me, it's just patently obvious that the divine dwells within, that we are not the product of amoebas that evolved out of the ocean, which is patently ridiculous. I mean, where did amoebas develop consciousness to begin with to have a desire and a yearning for growth? I mean, and, and there's no skeletal remains on the entire planet of amoeba to elephant, amoeba to giraffe, amoeba to flower, amoeba to human being. And similarly, the entire notion to my way of thinking, not wanting to ruffle feathers here, but the idea that God isn't big enough to rehabilitate everyone, no matter how horrible their sins were on earth, God is that big. It might take a million years, but God's got the time. We have the time. So the idea that God would cast souls aside and say you're not worth saving, the idea that 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 you know, there's so many contradictions in, in, in the religion I'm was familiar with. It, it just I, I tell people if it's beautiful, if it came from a a religious source, if it's beautiful, if it's empowering, if it leaves no one behind, run with it. Uh, if it doesn't resonate with you, body, mind, and soul, if it scares you, if it's unpleasant, if it's difficult, reject it. Others might call this cherry picking. Go for it. Because life is all the beauty, and we have all the power. Our lives are a testament of it. And, and it's through deductive reasoning looking at a scientifically life and evolution and amoebas and using my intuition to examine the magnificence that's in a lot of scripture and in, in a lot of holy books and putting it all together. If not of God, by God, pure God, what are we? You know, a guinea pig? Uh, something that's made of not God? Could there be anything that's not God? Where would that have come from? Did God come from some some nebulae, some swamp where there was no God, but there was planets. I mean, where did the planets come from? By deductive reasoning and using intuition, there's only one explanation. Everything, everyone, from a moat of dust to a black hole to our sun to you and me are of God, by God, pure God. Now, we get confused. We do awful things. People can be driven by the evil in their minds. But that doesn't mean that evil exists of, of its own. I mean, if it did exist of its own, uh, then how come God didn't snuff it out a long time ago? Could evil be that strong? No, it's like through deductive reasoning, Michal, I have arrived at what I think is the only conclusion that everything spark is a spark of the divine and is pure divine even now. If not, what would it be? Maybe simplistic for some, but... How does that all relate to spiritual accountability then, Mike? Oh, one of my favorite topics, thank you. And given my background as a certified public accountant or your equivalent of a chartered accountant, uh, I do think accountability and responsibility are everything. And the highest responsibility is asking the hard questions. Who am I? How did I get here? What can I do with my time and space and how can I do it? And this is what we've been talking about all along because it's, it's irresponsible to just say, oh, I'm going to um, take what my parents told me, not ask any questions, and then uh, do some creative visualization so that maybe the law of attraction can um, transform my life. That's not responsible. That's, that's shirking your responsibilities. That's not asking any questions. I think we have that responsibility to to do as I just said. Use your mind. It, it's not big enough to connect most dots, but it is 
sufficiently powerful to connect the simplest of dots that reveal that 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 God is everywhere, that that we are in a in a bastion of perfection floating through the cosmos by order, by design, uh, our lives evidence that we have a say in how things will go based on our decisions. So let's be responsible there. If you dream of abundance or health or great relationships, then being responsible means physically do something about that, even for the short term, if that means going to a job you hate. Be out there uh, at, so that you're a lightning rod for miracles, coincidences, so-called, and serendipities. That's being responsible. Searching for the truth, discovering it because a child could do so as I've just done it, and then living it. And not just thinking that, that Tinkerbell or, or, you know, your imagination is going to connect all the dots. You've got to actually be the moving part so that all the other parts can move in unison with regard to whatever you've been dreaming about. And Mike, often people can believe that power is actually outside themselves and that can prevent them from taking full responsibility in their lives. Do you think this is true? Oh, that's exactly where we're coming from. We have been taught uh, for as long as there have been books printed that, that our power lies outside of ourselves. We've been taught, you know, I'm half British. My mother's British. Um, we've been taught, you know, that, that pride is so awful, that loving yourself basically is so awful, that we need to put the needs of others before our own. Uh, I mean, I, I can see the beauty there, and I love the notion of being of service, but we're here for a reason, and that is to be ourselves and to follow our hearts. And when we do that, we will shine our light the brightest and be of the most service to others. And we'll do that best when we realize that it's not up to somebody outside of us. It's not about being tested. It's about waking up to the truth of the genius and the beauty and the power that is ours. I mean, even the biblical quotes, even the quotes of Jesus say that. Jesus said, the things I do, you will do. And, and Jesus didn't add a bunch of caveats that the church later did add. Uh, and so even... Most, I, I'm not that well versed in other religions, but even most religions speak to the power that dwells within all of us. So it's, it's about dropping that old dogma and being born again to the truth of life's magnificence and that our power lies within us, in our heart, our souls, our thoughts, our words, our actions, etc. What do you think stops people from actually living and pursuing their dreams? I believe that in the trajectory of the evolution of the civilization, uh, the human civilization right now, uh, because, you know, it's not by chance that we're here. Um, at a higher level, we know what's going on. We knew that there would be kind of a beginning, a middle, and an end in the grandest scheme possible. And while time is an illusion, within it, it's pretty darn tangible. So um, I would say that given that trajectory of kind of, you know, new civilization, mature civilization, older, wiser civilization, we are at the infancy right now. We are caveman and cavewomen, spiritually speaking. You know, we're still, you know, getting mad at each other. We're still pointing nuclear weapons at each other. We're still behaving like imbeciles, but, but understandably, and that's okay, you know, this was part of the, the likely foreseen evolution of things. We're, we're going to get to that promised land, you know, in, in the physical realm and beyond as we mature and grow up. So right now, given that we are still emerging from the darkness, and we see that all over in pockets of the world, it's understandable that we let our physical senses, our eyes, our ears, uh, etc., interpret reality instead of our inner senses. I, we, I, I gather from the questions, sense, Michal, you and I, that there is a beauty and that we do possess an inner power. And that comes from a mental discernment. Too often, people in the world around us don't go within. They just cop out 
where they just they just latch on to their parents or their society's views that that's really easy really convenient really lazy they just cop out and then they use their eyes and their ears to assess what reality is what people are really like what's going on in the world which is totally skewed if they watch the news and i'm not against watching the news but you got to keep it in perspective if you've got one crazed suicide bomber in you know somewhere in the united states You've got 300 million other amazing people. And if you watch the news, there's not a word of the 300 million amazing people working uh, together in harmony and grace. But there's, you know, wall-to-wall coverage of this lunatic who blew himself up or, or, or this dozen people who blew themselves up. So to answer your question, we're not changing as quickly as you and I might like as a civilization. And it's challenging at an individual level. Because we're still in these dark times and we're constantly being told by others that life is hard. Just look. Somebody else did something awful. It's getting bad in Syria. Uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are two opposite spectrums. It's a jungle out there. Oh, my gosh. It's, you know, and, and we, we, we lose faith. And my message is equally about faith uh, as all else. You know, it's about Relying on that which you cannot see, relying on that which you cannot touch, uh, going within and realizing that even though I see no order, I, I get that it's there. Even though I don't see any love at times, I know that it's there. Even though I feel no hope, I can create it within. And I, I, I think the transformation is among, uh, amongst us, that we are in the midst of transformation uh, civilization-wise, planetary transformation. I think these 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 extremes that we're seeing with ISIS and the murders and the and uh, and and people having conversations like you and I. I mean, talk about you know night and day. Kind of typifies that we're going into a transition right now that's irreversible. It's an upward incline. We are getting to a better place, but there's still vestiges of chaos and ugliness and ignorance uh, everywhere. But I do believe very, very quickly, certainly within a generation or two, that this the, the chaos will cease. It really is blown out of proportion. You know, 18 people destroyed the World Trade Towers. You know, and we've had, you know, like World War Three ever since because of 18 people. And granted, there's millions of extremists that don't like us. But even that's a paltry number compared to 7 billion. We focus on the negative. When we start focusing more on the beauty and our power and these truths that leave nobody behind and everyone is treated with respect, we will have a, a rapid acceleration of, uh, you know, of everything, commercially, spiritually, joyfully on this planet, I think 100 years from today, it will not even be recognizable. Uh, we will have gone so far into the light, uh, into betterness, because that's the nature of God. That's the nature of, of us. The good is the nature. The, the thriving is our nature. You know, if, if it was 50-50, we would never have made it this far. Um, we're pegged to, to, to thrive in these illusionary jungles of time and space. As I said, in spite of our ignorance, we thrive. Can you imagine what it's going to be like, Nihal, when everyone sees God in everyone else's eyes? We are going to soar through the stratosphere. There'll be enough food and enough fun for every man, woman, and child on this planet. As you know, many decisions that are being made by people in the power in the world at the moment can affect our planet and ourselves. How do you think we could choose to respond to these decisions, especially if decisions may not actually serve us? Uh, I think history has shown, and many have uh, pointed out, that the, the intentions and goodwill of a few determined people, your grassroots organizations, can change the entire direction of a civilization. And while it is disheartening, um, and sometimes depressing to to understand that there are a few maniacs that are either in power or that are now seeking power. We must not ever individually forget or surrender our own power. And we must rise up, do what we can with what we've got. This doesn't mean we have to, you know, resort to, you know, 
armed conflict. But if there's enough peace demonstrations, um, that energy will overwhelm an evil dictator. However, contrary to physical circumstances that seems today, it will. That's the power of our thoughts. And when more and more people are thinking and speaking and moving towards a better world, there simply will not be room for dictators, nor will they be able in the future to rise up at all. So I would just say, don't be discouraged by the actions or decisions of a few. And don't think, uh, this is where Lorna Byrne would come in to, to play with uh, a realization that angels are, rear, are real. Don't think that one person making one bad decision um, could actually blow up the world. It sure seems like that, but there are forces at play. Um, there is God at play. There are realms uh, and portions of our own personalities that we are not aware of at play that I, I truly believe have in the past and will, if necessary, in the future, intervene to make it impossible for one person to lead an otherwise loving world or loving nation into total oblivion. And Mike, if there's people in our lives who may not believe this, how do you think we could build, say, bridges of communication to reduce the conflict or maintain the relationship? I think through example, it's not going to come from trying to show them the truth. They'll just, uh, they'll just move further away from the truth to the other end of the spectrum with resistance and anger. You know, that's how we feel when someone tries to tell us that we're wrong. So don't tell anybody that they're wrong, but as an example, as a person moved by uh, goodwill and love of life, uh, more and more joining organizations, um, everyone's going to kind of notice who is achieving uh, what they wanted versus who is not achieving what they wanted. And they're going to see it's the people who move with grace and with love and with dignity and with respect for all who are prevailing and thriving and those who are acting with fear who are not. And I would also like to toss out there that we need not feel vulnerable. Um, I, I think the question I get more, most often from an audience member is, you know, what if I believe this spiritual stuff, but my partner, my spouse, my family, my parents, they think it's hogwash. And the question comes from a place of thinking that they're vulnerable and that their dreams are at risk because others don't get them or understand them. And, and that's simply not true. We are all untouchable and no one no one is powerful enough to stop anyone else's dreams from coming true. And, and I want to point out, we talked about what is of value. And what I'm specifically addressing is no one can stop you from being happy. No one can stop you from being creative. No one can stop you from moving towards health and abundance. No one can stop you from changing your career. Now, now, if you had a partner who said, I refuse that you work, well, then you've got some issues and you have a choice. You still have power. You can say, look, I'm going to work whether you like it or not. Um, of course, moving with love in your heart and uh, with regard to the family you may be raising, you know, all of that has to be considered, which hinges on prior decisions and commitments, perhaps that, that you made. But 99 percent of the time we are free to move towards happiness creativity career and abundance no matter what our family and loved ones think so don't feel vulnerable they can have their pity parties all day long they're not going to hold you back just drill down to truth have your books have your meditations and meditation i simply mean your moments of clarity and thought whether it's going for a walk or gardening or tending to the horses Create that space for you and you'll become unstoppable. And Mike, I know you mentioned earlier that you do four minutes of visualization every morning. How do you do that on a practical level? Oh, uh, I, I get it used to be at my home, um, but now that I've got a toddler running around, it's impossible. It used to be before I left the house and it was still quiet and my wife was still asleep, I would use a, a timer on my phone just sit comfortably in a dark room and for four minutes I would just, you know, with eyes closed, uh, visualize joy. And if I'm working on a book, I might imagine that that book has now reached the number one New York Times bestseller list. If I'm working on a presentation or a speech, 
that's intimidating me before a large audience. You know, I might visualize myself in the throes of delivering it, confidently poised, having fun, the audience appreciating it. But like I said, I will often simply visualize joy, you know, high five, warm hugs, hearing congratulations. Um, if I've got a bad knee or something, you know, is bum in my body somewhere, I will imagine that it's pain-free, that it's uh, operating as it was meant to operate. And, uh, you know, that's what I'll do just for four minutes, four simple minutes. But I overwhelmingly bring joy into that four minutes. It's not a task. I don't visualize cursed hows. This is how I will do that. I'll see things happening as an invitation to their possibility. But in my waking life, I'm open to all possibilities, and I don't insist on one path or person um, being my way. I now visualize uh, at work. I'm usually the first in my office. So I do the same thing for four minutes, and I usually sit in front of a vision board. I know those sound hokey, but they're powerful tools. I've got beautiful homes and exotic destinations and smiling faces on my vision board, and I'll use that to kind of stoke the fire before I start my visualizing, and then I'll just envision the same things that I just shared with you. And I, I take the weekends off, and if I forget a day or miss a day, I don't get mad at myself. There's so much lenience and latitude when it comes to being successful, when you know the truth, that, that you just don't worry about stuff the way you perhaps used to. When we're visualizing what we want, is there a practical way for us to prepare for the success then? Oh, yeah. There's two things you can do. Number one is live your life with baby steps in the direction of that success. So physically, use your logic and your heart and intuition. If it was, for example, a new career, physically do something about that new career. Maybe it's go back to school. Maybe it's continuing education. Maybe it's ask your boss for a raise or for a, a parallel lateral transfer to another division. Um, if it's abundance, do something towards starting a company uh, or making more abundance in your life. If it's relationships, get on a dating website, get out, go out with your friends on a Friday or Saturday night, be available. You know, when we program the magic with dreams, the universe is pushing it towards us. Like I said earlier, so we have to be out in the world, even though those baby steps will seem futile. So answer number one of two is physically do something on a regular basis, not just one time, on a regular basis, always be asking yourself, how else could I approach or approach career transformation? How else could I approach um, finding a partner? How else could I approach improved health and healing? Every week, every day, ask yourself, what new thing could I throw into the mix this week or this day? And the second part of this question um, goes to what many call acts of faith. Or physical token demonstrations. You know, do a little splurge. Um, uh, do a little window shopping. Act as if either your dream is imminently coming true and you need to prepare the way. I mean, come on. It's going to happen next week. Are you ready for it? You better test drive that car to decide if it's really the one you want to buy because you're going to have to decide in one week. So act as if you knew of the inevitable arrival of your dreams. Or act as if... Your dream came true six months ago. Six months ago. Now what are your dreams? Now what is your daily routine? Now where do you go to work? Drive that way one morning a week. You know, drive to the new office or the new world headquarters of your own company. Physically, and this boils down to pretending, Michal. It's just pretending, playing make-believe. But I write these notes from the universe that go out every day, and one of them once said, playing make-believe is the fastest way to receiving. And uh, pretending is the fastest way to believing. Believing is the fastest way to receiving. So these physical demonstrations override any invisible, limiting, self-sabotaging belief you may have otherwise had. Because your inner witness, if you will, sees you, sees you moving in the direction of your dream, sees you acting as if you know of its inevitability, or acting as if it already happened. You know, book a trip, not necessarily confirmed, not a deposit, but, you know, call a travel agent or do some web browsing. Like, where will you go when your big dream comes true for celebration and victory that you're taking your family with you? You know, price it out. Check out the hotels. Which one would you stay at in Honolulu? You know, what's what would you do in, you know, your free time in Honolulu? 
by playfully pretending, this is step, this is part two of the answer. You're physically doing something about your dream that is rewiring your beliefs, creating a heightened sense of expectation and anticipation, making it possible for the universe to, for you to believe it and therefore daydream and think it, about it more and bringing about its manifestation quicker. And Mike, how important do you think it is for us to be happy before our dreams come true? Well, that's a tricky question. I would say it's not important because I don't want anybody feeling unhappy right now to think that they can't make their dreams come true even fast. But the happier you can make yourself, then the quicker they will come true. So, I, I, you know, happiness is why we're here. Happiness is... It is the ultimate end result, the ultimate dream, the ultimate desire. It's why someone wants a travel partner. It's why someone wants to heal. It's why someone wants abundance. Everything is a cursed how towards happiness. So if people acted more on their happiness, short-term and long-term, being responsible long-term is very important here, um, they would have the best of all worlds in abundance with health, surrounded by friends, lots of confidence moving with happiness but often we feel it's elusive often we've lived based on other people's needs or old uh, dogma for so long we don't even know what it feels like to be happy anymore or at least so we claim and we feel so far removed from it fear not you are so pegged for success you are so inclined to be happy it's truly your default setting every listener right now that even if you fake it in that direction just do something that you think is closest to what would make you happy, even though it won't make you happy. You know, if you're coming from a real negative, dark space, just and you don't know what would make you happy, do what is the closest to that. And make sure you do it on a regular basis. You know, go for walks, plant some flowers, be with animals, be of service, do some, you know, secret good deeds. Uh, these things, start your gratitude journal. But most of all, be out in the world. It seems daunting and it seems futile. Do it anyway. And as you cultivate this happiness, even if it seems fake at the beginning, it will soon become genuine and your life will blast off. It's in your nature. That's what you're wired to do. It's the default setting in all of us. I know you're in Ireland at the end of August with Lorna Byrne. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yes, I am so excited to be coming back to Dublin and, and beyond. I'm going to be with Lorna Byrne. She wrote the, the, the Irish and world bestseller, Angels in My Hair. And we're having a day-long workshop where I will be kind of leading Lorna and her angels through conversation and questions to talk about career, to talk about love, to talk about dealing with grief, to talk about loss. Uh, we're going to try to cover every major area of uh, life. And I'll be bringing my insights. Uh, she will be sharing her insights. Lorna is, um, I think, fair to say, quite religious. Uh, and I am not religious. But at the end of the day, the kind of things we say... Um, point in the exact same direction. Uh, I, I deeply appreciate her and her views. I, I think we have a great energy working together. We have worked together before, and it was extremely well received. This will be our first live event together. We've had webinars in the past, and it's going to be, if I can tell you, on Sunday, August 28th, at the Talbot Stilorgan Hotel in Dublin. Uh, the details are at Lorna's website or my website. Lorna's website, um, let me see, lornaburn.com. My website is tut.com. There's more information. There is a fee. We have arranged for some scholarships for people in dire financial need. Uh, we want to make this as accessible as possible, um, and it's going to be a great thing. So I hope to see listeners there, and uh, if not... Um, Check out Lorna's website and her Facebook page. There's always inspiration there. It's for free and same to it my website. I know they can go on to seminars.ie as well. Correct, correct. Seminars.ie. Finally, Mike, if anyone wants to find out more about your work, how could they do it? 
Well, my website is T like tiger, you like uncle, T like tiger.com, tut.com. That originates from back when we were selling totally unique t-shirts. But there they'll see all of my books. They'll see my uh, other appearances uh, live uh, around the world. And uh, they can sign up for my free notes from the universe daily emails that that 700,000 people now receive Monday through Friday. That's fantastic, Mike. Look, thanks so much for your time. It's been a great pleasure, Michal. Uh, Thank you so much for this super opportunity to share what I love sharing. You're very welcome. Bye-bye, Cheers, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another inspiring and thought-provoking show of The Health Zone. I'm Michal Mahuna. Just to remind you, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or you can join our Facebook group, The Health Zoners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and pin interests under The Health Zone. To gain further invaluable resources on health and well-being, go to our website, www.thehealthzoneshow.com thehealthzoneshow.com When you're on there, join The Health Zone and you'll receive a free copy of my latest ebook, Seven Ways to Boost Your Overall Wellbeing. Finally, I would love to hear any feedback you may have on the show and even if there are any particular guests or topics which you're interested in, please email me on tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com Until next time, this is Hall. Thanks for listening and I wish you a very healthy, happy and authentic week.